While I was in grade 12, the March for Life helped me realize how big of a problem abortion is. Before attending the March for Life, I didn't really know the gravity of the issue. I thought abortion was rare and unpopular. But after hearing the many speeches, I got inspired to do something about the issue. And so when I went back to my university, the University of Toronto, I proactively looked for the pro-life club and got active. Throughout history, whenever great injustices existed, youth movements have risen up to combat and end those injustices. You have organizations out there like the Center for Bioethical Reform. The Center for Bioethical Reform. Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Organizations like the Center for Bioethical Reform to receive public funds when they then use to attack a woman's right to choose. Abortion kills all kinds of people, so then all kinds of people can join the pro-life movement to save these babies. I was talking to a young man on the streets of Toronto. I spoke with a woman named Lucy about abortion. Today we were doing choice chain in downtown Regina. By the end of the conversation, she was completely pro-life. He then walked away 100% pro-life. Completely pro-life. We should remember that each of those babies that die every day in Canada not only have the right to life that's being violated, they also have the right to our defense. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. We are so grateful that you have joined us for yet another episode. That opening quote was by a friend of ours, Michelle, who wasn't doing anything in the movement, uh, attended the March for Life, and realized that abortion was something she needed to do something about. And she is involved in the movement, working full-time right now. The March for Life for her was a springboard into getting more active. And that's one of the things we want to talk about today, is maximizing your March for Life experience. But before we get into that, my name is Peter, host of the show, and with me once again is Cam, my wonderful co-host. Hello, sir. How are you? I am doing well. We are back to activism in Calgary. It is a great feeling to be um, engaging the wonderful people of Calgary with the reality of abortion. It is great to be back. I'm very thankful for our volunteers who had a, a, a down period over the Christmas season and are now back in full force. Talking to people, changing minds, saving lives, transforming culture in a very COVID-safe kind of way. We got a ton of protocol, and they've been faithful in making sure that um, they're adhering to all the protocol. It is great to be back out on the streets. That's good. Yeah, one of the the disappointing things here in Ontario is that we are in complete full lockdown. So we've put activism on hold. Hopefully that uh, that 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 is lifted within the next week or so, two weeks. Um, but we'll see as we continue to navigate the situation and some of the restrictions that keep getting handed down to us, sir. Um, all right, uh, a few things before we get into our topic of the day. First, we're on Patreon, so go check us out, and you can financially partner with us so that you can join us as we equip people to defend their pro-life convictions and defend and protect pre-born children. Patreon.com slash pro-life guys. Go check it out, everyone. And one more thing as well. So before uh, the before December, no, last year uh, in December around that time, we were asking people, uh, give us a review, give us a, a rating on your podcast catcher. And I just want to highlight some of those right now. Thank you so much to Nicole. Shout out to you. This is what you said. Super informative. I love the podcast. It is so informative and I have learned so much. Love the pro-life guys. 
Thank you, Nicole. That's a wonderful review. Also, shout out to Nikki, who said, incredible, such a great podcast, very informative and well-researched. I've learned a ton about pro-life apologetics. Highly recommend to anyone interested in the pro-life cause, entertaining and educational. Thank you, Nikki. That is a, a wonderful review. That's so we're so we're very grateful for it. And the last one I want to highlight here is by Clara. She says, This is my favorite podcast. In fact, it is the reason I started listening to podcasts. It has become part of my weekly routine. I love that it's so dynamic and straight to the point. It is my highlight of 2020. Thank you so much, Clara. That is an amazing review. And thank you to everyone else who left reviews as well. And we did say that we were going to choose one of you who uh, left a review and left a rating to win a copy of Stuck, a complete guide to answering tough questions about abortion. And the winner is Nikki, Nikki Gilmore. So do reach out to us and we'll probably reach out to you as well. But you have won yourself a signed copy of Stuck. Uh, Cam's going to sign it. I'm going to sign it. And the author, Justina Van Manen, will sign it as well. So thank you so much, everyone. Well, we hope to have more giveaways. And if you want to get stuck um, by, by purchasing it, I mean, that's totally available. Check our website, prolifeguys.com. All right, Cam, what are we talking about today, sir? We are talking about the March for Life in... Around the world, not not in any specific country. We're doing it um, today. We're recording today because today is, um, I don't know if you're supposed to say to your audience when you're recording, but we're recording on January 22nd, which is, I believe, the 68th anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision in America. Um, and this will be posted next Tuesday, a couple days before when the March for Life in um in America is going to go. The March for Life in America, Washington, D.C. is generally one of the largest marches for life um, around the world. Hundreds of thousands of people going out often. Um, and while we know that the March for Life in D.C. is canceled this year, we know that in D.C. they're only encouraging a, a select handful of pro-life leaders. It's kind of a two-step thing because the pro-life leaders are in some ways representing the rest of the pro-life movement, though the March for Life represents the pre-born children who've been killed by abortion. And so it's a, a representation of the representatives of pre-born children. So that's kind of, kind of neat. Um, up here in Canada, we generally do ours um, early May, I want to say, like second or, um, second or third week of May, generally speaking. Um, and there's countless others that happen around the world. I, I've seen some incredible news. We're going to be touching on it in the pulse about some of the March for Lives that, that are going on um, in South America. Ireland has knocked it out of the park for countless marches. And then countless other countries have done these styles of, of marches and rallies to show numbers, to, to witness to the atrocity of abortion, to be a, a memorial in some ways, and also a celebration of life. And so we thought that it'd be appropriate to do one around the March for Life in America and, and talk about how to maximize that March for Life experience. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's good for us to note right off the top, Cam, that each and every one of us have different March for Life experiences. The March for Life's where that we attend might be different different and, and planned differently than the ones that other people attend. Um, but And so we're not going to talk about the March for Life specifically. We're not going to talk about how it ought to be run or anything like that. But like you said, Cam, we want to talk about how you can maximize your experience, and not just for yourself, but uh, maximize your experience so that you can make real political and cultural change that does defend and protect preborn children. 
Exactly. And so this is not at all a, an instruction manual for organizers. I have a tremendous, a profound amount of appreciation for the, the tireless um, volunteers. And, and if there's any staff who are organizing Marches for Life around the world, they do an incredible job. The, so much of the effectiveness of the aftermath of the March for Life lies in the hands of the participants. And so this is intended for the participants, how you can maximize the March for Life, we we have no no expertise. I, I don't think to be coaching people um, who are organizing the March for Life to, to how best organize it or anything like that. We we salute you um, if you're involved in the organization of a March for Life. We think that you do an admirable job. At least the ones that I've attended. This is how to empower and encourage further the attendees, and so that that's the focus of the march that we're talking about because. Try as they might, the organizers of the march can plan the most spectacular, most engaging, most instructive March for Life ever. But if the participants walk away and don't do anything following up, then that's not on the organizers. That's on the participants. We want to make sure that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. And so if you are attending a March for Life, whether it's a large one or whether it's a local one, um, the, the usefulness of the March for Life or the, the waste of time of the March for Life, as it were, for you depends on how you're going to what you're going to take away from it um, whether you're going to connect with people whether it's going to be uh, a way for you to get more active and learn more about the movement and so the question that we want to ask as we dive into this episode is for for you is the march for life going to be uh, kind of a, a soapbox um, or is it going to be a springboard? And what I mean by that is, is it going to be a soapbox for you to come out once a year to to go on to Parliament Hill or, you know, some famous uh, landmark that has significance in your country or your state or wherever it is um, and and tell people this is this is what I believe. This is my pro-life conviction. Um, I'm going to stand here with all these people and let you know precisely where I stand on this topic of abortion. Or is it going to be a springboard? Is it going to be a way for you to get connected, um, get active, be inspired, be re-motivated, and all of that? Um, not just to, to be inspired to join the March for Life next year, but to be inspired to be active in the pro-life movement between marches. And so the question we're asking is, is the March for Life a soapbox or is it a springboard? Yeah. And, and I think that so much of that, the answer to that question dovetails with the thing that we actually covered back in episode 15 with a great colleague of ours, Blaise Elaine, as we talked about the difference between a theory of action and a theory of change. In, in quick summary, theory of action is basically asking the question, what can we do to combat or respond to the issue at hand? Whereas the theory of change asks the question, what must be done to achieve our ultimate goal? We've seen in places like South America and Ireland, um, USA, even in Canada here, that important outcomes come from the March for Life. And yet, if we're asking, okay, what can I do today that is going to move the needle in, in the right direction? That's a, a noble question. And, and I'm glad, first of all, thankful for anyone who even asks that question. What could I do to make the world, to make my country, to make my region a little bit more pro-life? But at the end of the day, the deeper question that I really want to encourage everyone to ask is what must be done to achieve our ultimate goal? What steps need to be taken? And how does a day-long rally with thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of other people play into that step-by-step -step process towards achieving that goal? Um, and so... 
obviously from that, the way that I see the March for Life as a participant is that this should be part of a greater schema, a more holistic picture that should be measured with defined metrics and gauging success. I, I'll never forget a, a power quote from my colleague um, in the movement, Scott Hayward, one of the, the um, founders, and I think he's the executive director of the president of right now. He said, if you can't measure it, it didn't happen. Um, I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, that we need to be gauging the metrics. And so if we're gauging the metrics of the March for Life in how much more active you got in the pro-life movement, how many more doors you knocked on, how many more can, um, politicians you lobbied, how many more dollars you donated to your local pregnancy care center, then I think that we can really maximize, optimize the um, the impact that we're having as a March for Life. Um, and so by, by understanding the greater movement and the plan of the March for Life, we can develop a twofold goal, one for the present, the day of the March for Life, and one for the future for the rest of the year in between March for Lives. Peter, is it cool if I jump into those two, or do you want to do you want to segue nope. in there? Take it away, sir. Boom, love it. So what is the goal of the present, in my humble opinion, and I am certainly open to any um, organizer of a March for Life that wants to um, either supplement or challenge or completely overhaul this analysis. In, in my humble opinion, the, the goal in the present is to convey the message that there are still those who defend life. We have not and will not forgotten the lives of preborn children. We stand in witness that society needs to change to assure that the weakest and most vulnerable members receive what is rightfully theirs, namely the right to not be killed as innocent humans. That is, in a nutshell, why I think we can and should stand in the moment to give that message to people that, that see us walking by in masses, for the politicians who might be peering out the, the legislative windows or pol um, parliament windows to see, oh my goodness, there's a ton of people out there that are advocating for life. This is an opportunity to witness to the strength and um, kind of magnitude of the pro-life movement, I suppose. And, and that's a noble goal in and of itself. The secondary goal for the future, what do we do in between marches, is that this is an opportunity to invite, to refuel, and to prepare ourselves for the battle that rages on in the trenches day after day, between every march that occurs. And so this is where we can connect, we can network, we can invite new people to get involved. Like Michelle at the beginning of the March for Life was a transformative experience that really launched her into what is now a career in the pro-life movement. We can learn and we can go forth so that one day we can stop marching. I Hopefully one day the March for Life ceases to be a memorial service of sorts and begins to be a, a celebration of accomplishment, achievement by God's grace that abortions are no longer thinkable, no longer happening in our area. And we can finally put down our signs and we can finally stop mourning the, the hundreds of thousands or, or tens of thousands or however many children have been killed by abortion in your, in your area. Um, and we can start just um, I'm, I'm going to say up here, we can just start going to pubs and, and celebrating with people and having a drink <laughs> over a plate of nachos um, and connecting with the incredible people that are there. And less, we, we don't need to be quite so cognizant of um, the bloodshed that has um, transpired since the last March for Life. So that that's the two takeaway goals. And in my humble opinion, the one day of that we get to witness for the lives that have been lost, for those that cannot march for themselves, and for the future that we can invite, refuel, and prepare ourselves for the, the daily battles um, of changing minds, saving lives, and transforming culture. 
Does that that's, sound fair? That's good. Yeah, no. And and uh, I have one thing to add um, before we get into the specifics on how we can maximize our March for Life experience to, to beef out some of the things that you just said about using the March for Life for the future, um, those points that you mentioned. And I just want to to share some common misconceptions. I've been in the movement for seven years or so, Cam, um, you a little bit longer. And and one of the the misconceptions or, or one of the things people believe about the March for Life that is not actually the case is that um, they, they are most probably enacting political change because they went to the March for Life. They jumped into a bus, traveled a few states or provinces um, and ended up on their national hill uh, as it were. And Cam, you mentioned uh, politicians peeking out their windows, looking at the large, enormous crowds. Um, and while they certainly are noticing the large, enormous crowds, I, I very highly doubt that pro-abortion um, politicians or even politicians who are on the fence about the abortion issue and unsure about how they ought to vote on the, this particular issue, I, I highly doubt that they're looking at the crowds and being like, oh man, I got to change my position right now. This is way too much pressure for me. Um, you know, you know, I, I, I really need to, to vote pro-life right now. Um, this sort of the March for life, while it's useful, is not going to sway politicians like this. And I, I, I want to point back to some of the conversations that we've had before. We had a conversation with Tabitha Ewart, episode 10 or 11, and we had a conversation with Alyssa Globe of right now, uh, on episode number five. And, and they both, um, work politically, um, trying to, to enact political change in the pro-life uh, move for the for the pro-life movement and both of them from the work that they are doing highlighted the importance of of meeting with your politicians of getting to know them of uh, sending them emails having sit down meetings chatting with them building rapport with them and sharing with them as your as their constituent your concerns about the pro-life issue a second uh, misconception i think people have is that what they're doing is going to Im- uh, enact or en- enable cultural change like you said, Cam, the media is often going to ignore us. And, and I know this is very much a Canadian thing, um, the media ignoring us. Often they say, yeah, you know, a few thousand people showed up for this random pro-life thing, but uh, thank God they're home now. Um, so the media is going to, going to ignore us. Most of the people in the country are not going to be aware of the fact that you were marching um, and, and you gathered with perhaps 20,000 or 30,000 or maybe 100,000, depending on where you are, people um, – you know, that, that sort of thing is not going to change people's minds. And pro-abortion supporters, even if they do find out what you're doing or even if they do end up um, at the march with you, I, I highly doubt they're going to look at the size and be like, my idea about abortion is all wrong. Now I have to be pro-life. And same thing with people who have scheduled abortions. Um, they, ha- they have abortion appointments. Um, I suspect they're not going to cancel them because we see large crowds um and part of this has to do with the idea that we all want a silver bullet, Cam. I think, you know, I want a silver bullet solution. Um, it would be wonderful if we had silver bullet solutions for the issues that we face um, and to promote the causes that we love. But in reality, there is no silver bullet to ending abortion. There isn't. Um, you know, we're not, it's not, we attend a march once a year and, um, you know, political change is going to happen. Cultural change is going to happen. And if we attend uh, enough times with enough people, abortion is going to be ended. It's not. That's not going to happen. Uh, and so one of the things we want to push here and highlight is that attending the March for Life, as, as important as it might be, is not uh, the completion of your duty as a pro-life advocate. Um, what we need to do is get involved in 
grassroots work. We need to have those face-to-face conversations in the public square about abortion. We need to financially partner those who are doing the work. We need to meet with our politicians and get to know them and, and share with them the position that you hold. And so what we want to do is highlight, so yes, the, the March for Life is good, but, and here's how we can maximize our March for Life experience. Um, but I say that because, Cam, um, I've talked to a good number of people who said they're involved in the pro-life movement because they attend the March for Life. They're involved in the pro-life movement and, and they've, you know, they're, they're active and they, and they do what they need to do because they've attended the March for Life. And and I, I do want to say we're not bashing the March for Life. Um, we we want to make that really, really, really clear um, here. But it's it's how are you going to use the March for Life and are you going to use it in a way that actually uh, enacts change um, when it comes to abortion and enacts change for the babies? Exactly. And I think that that dovetails so well with that theme of it needing to fit into a greater plan. Like this, this is not crapping on the March for Life itself and saying, um, because the exact same thing would happen if, if once a year, a hundred thousand people took choice change signs out, we, we would not end abortion that year. We need continuous activity. And these are valuable parts of a holistic plan. I think the, the March for Life plays a, an incredible, important role within that plan. But just like any other kind of activism, even if, yeah, 100,000 people all went on the same day and booked meetings with their politicians, I, I don't think that we would see the, the complete cultural or political shift that we would want. Um, so this, this isn't anything against the March for Life in particular, but rather against the notion that I can achieve all of my pro-life goals within one day of doing something. And I, I think that's the flawed logic. I think building this into the greater a greater plan we're not saying not everyone is able to, to spend every day of the year doing pro-life action. That's not what we're saying at all. What we're saying is taking as many opportunities as you can to engage people um, in conversations and using the March for Life as an opportunity to witness and refuel for whether it's once a week, once a month, a couple times a year, whatever it ends up being, whether it's formal pro-life witness alongside Peter and I, whether it's informal talking to your coworkers or family members or whatever it may be, this should be a recharging station um, for, to compel you towards more and more action. And by way of, of one more analogy, Cam, we had Scott Klusendorf on the podcast, uh, which is a great conversation. Go listen to it. But it's the same as if Scott uh, was in a room with, with three or 5,000 students, teaching them pro-life apologetics, teaching them, um, the importance of getting involved in the movement, and then not one of those students goes out and does anything. Um, that's not Scott's fault per se. Um, it, it's you know he he did what was his duty to do, and now it's our turn as participants and those who attended to do what is our duty to do to protect babies. Okay, so Cam, we have a few points here that uh, that we brainstormed and thought of. How can we maximize our March for Life experience? Yes. Four points that, that we can crush through. First one is um, really appreciating and optimizing the value of community. For so many people, at times, myself included, we feel isolated within the pro-life movement. We feel like we're the only person who holds this pro-life worldview. And if we feel like everybody around us is going to jump down our throats, we're constantly walking on eggshells, that can lead many of us towards turtling, pulling our heads inside this great shell and just trying to survive um, and and decreasing our pro-life engagement. And sometimes we forget that we're part of a massive movement that is um, has the opportunity to, to shape culture, not simply... Um, 
not simply protest culture. We have we have an opportunity to shape culture. And so that's one of the beautiful parts of the March for Life, that it brings thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people together. And it reminds us that we're not alone. And that's a, a super important, in my opinion, recharging value to the March for Life in that, um, yeah, you can go back and remember, okay, well, even if all of my coworkers or even if everyone in my family or even if um, so many people in my hometown support abortion, I just got back from an event in which there was a, a ton of other people who clearly didn't support abortion. Um, I know that I'm not alone. I know that I'm not isolated or, or a radical because there's so many other people that hold this very simple worldview. So, so that, that's a very simple point. And obviously, as we mentioned with Michelle, um, that this can be a great point for people to get involved. If people say, oh, you know what, I, I'm pro-life. I just don't think there's anything that I can do or never thought about getting involved. March for Life is a great opportunity to bring them out and say like, hey, you know what, like just imagine if each and every one of these people was um, talking to the friends and family day after day kind of thing. Um, this is a great first event for people um, as it demonstrates the size of the movement and also, as I'll mention later, um, brings them um, face to face with some of the greatest speakers and trainers that are involved in the movement. So so community, I think, is a huge part. Yeah, that uh, that's that's right. And I, I can think of uh, many friends of mine who attend schools, universities, high schools who think they're the only pro-lifer in the room and probably in their city. And this highlights uh, that you're not the only pro-lifer, right? Like there are a lot of others um, from all different ages that are, you know, passionate about the the pro-life issue. So yeah, build community is a big one. Second one is the pro-life March for Life is a good opportunity to network. And so coming together as a community provides the incredible opportunity for connecting with and networking with other national and regional and local initiative initiatives and to learn from them, you can learn what they're doing in the movement, how they're enacting change. Perhaps they're doing something politically, perhaps they're doing something educationally on the streets, grassroots stuff, or perhaps they are in you know crisis pregnancy centers uh, and th those types of ministries as well. And and you can learn about them, get to know them, partner, and then you know make a plan to partner with them in the work that they are doing. And this is huge. I mean, I, I've I've been to March for a few March for Life's Cam. I, you've been to. Uh, many more March for Life. Marches for Life, probably. Anyway, um, I one of the one of the things that happens here in Canada around the March for Life is that there are other events that take place as well. There are a number of uh, you know talks that happen. Different organizations will set up and share about the work that they're doing. Uh, politicians will talk about some of the initiatives that they've been working on or that w might be possible to work on in the future. And so this is an opportunity to get to know the people who are in the movement already get to know the work that they're doing, get to know the projects that they are involved in and and connect with them. I mean, um, make make a good plan to get involved with them tomorrow and the day after and the next month and for the rest of the year to see how you too can join in with these local initiatives or these regional initiatives um, or these projects that are happening across the country. Yeah. And and not only that, one one really neat thing that that is kind of a, a random thing, I think, is to develop some kind of social accountability network with other random attendees. And what I mean by that is so I, I live in Calgary here and we our March for Life is in Edmonton every year. And Every year, I try to just talk with a as many people as I can who are just random attendees, people who have shown up from um, taking a day off work or their families caught up or whatever. And I, I love to talk to them about what, what their experience in the pro-life movement has been. 
And then a, a couple of neat things that I've been able to do. I was talking, I remember talking to a guy named Matt um, and being like, hey, are you planning on going to the March for Life next year? Let's connect next year. Let's meet. Uh, the March for Life in Edmonton is, is the same route every year, generally speaking. Let's meet at this landmark and let's talk about what we did over the last year. And, and this isn't the accountability of like Cam Wilson from Wilberforce Project knows exactly how many of his emails I read. This is like me and some other random citizen being like, hey, it, this year was a really good year. I, I was involved in some fundraising initiatives for the local pregnancy care center. I, I talked to my family about abortion. That was a, a really big leap of faith because I didn't know what they were going to say. And I called my my um, regional, my my member of parliament um, a couple of times to, to talk about the pro-life vote. Cam, what did you do? And, and just this kind of like social accountability towards some random other person that can be like, hey, I... I'll go back to the March for Life and Matt is going to be waiting for me at, at the corner of this road and this road. And we're going to talk about what we got done this last year um, and just kind of a, a neat social kind of accountability team. I, I think that's kind of a neat idea. It's not always possible, but this is a great opportunity to, even if you start following each other on social media, I guess that's the thing that you can do as well, rather than meeting on street corners, um, connecting on social media is a thing nowadays. Yeah, it uh, is. All right. So that's, that's community. That's networking. And third is training. Now, I touched on this a little bit uh, as part of the networking, but there are often a ton of opportunities to gain valuable skills to improve your pro-life engagement. And so whether these skills come from political groups sharing about effective lobbying strategies or educational groups training on effective outreach strategies or pastoral groups like crisis pregnancy centers training on effective ministry strategies, Bringing leaders together to share how to improve your effectiveness is super valuable. And so this is a perfect, perfect, perfect place to network with them, connect with them, build community with them, but also get training from them, learn what they're doing and how you can join in what they're doing and be as effective as they are in that in that mission. Exactly. And and that builds in, like I mentioned before, a great opportunity for, for new or or growing pro-lifers, right? That that this is an opportunity. These these marches often get some of the highest profile speakers in the country. And it's an opportunity for you as a whether it's a new pro-lifer or somebody who has been invigorated to um, get active for the first time or rekindle your activism after um, a break of activism. You learn about what's going on, what is happening. You get inspired by some of the most motivational pro-life speakers um, that you could even imagine. Great opportunity. And so the first three, um, connecting with people, networking with organizations and training, they're all future focused. And and as we mentioned, that's, that's one of the major, major outcomes that we think that we should be striving for uh, with the march. The last one that I'm going to mention is the present day. And, th and that's the medium is the message as well. The, the As much as, Peter, you mentioned that as a standalone event, this isn't going to change every politician's mind. As a standalone event, this isn't going to bring about complete and irreversible cultural shift. There is value to numbers. And we become a self-fulfilling prophecy if we get too cynical. If we say, oh, the March for Life doesn't matter because no media ever picks it up and no politicians ever come out. We don't see the change that we want. Therefore, I'm not going to bother going. Obviously, we become a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you want to, if you're like me and you struggle with that cynicism anyways, then maybe you need to say, you know what, I'm going to go for um, the future and I'm going to stay for the present, as it were. I'm going to go to the March for Life because I want that 
um, inspiration of, of the community. I want that networking. I want that training. And if my presence achieves anything while I'm there, then that's an added bonus. That's the cherry on top. That's not why I'm going as my primary reason. Um, but I think that this is a valuable reason, right? That um, if we can get more and more people attending our marches for life, then and mobilize more and more of those people, we get them in the door and then we mobilize them towards political, educational and pastoral action then that's how we start seeing greater and greater change in our society. Because if, if we get a thousand people to our March for Life and a hundred percent of them are meeting with their politicians and having conversations on street corners and donating their money to pregnancy care centers, that's going to have a big impact. But if we can get a hundred thousand people out to one and we we'll only get 10% of people having that kind of impact or 50% of people, that's still exponentially more than what we were getting in the first place. This is an opportunity. They're bringing together the speakers. The organizers of marches are going out of their way. They're working tirelessly to bring top-notch speakers and and opportunities allow this to be, in in my opinion, because of my cynicism, uh, first and foremost, a springboard, but allow it to be something of a soapbox as well. Allow there to be a message communicated the day of that we will not be forgotten we will um, stand strong and free for those who cannot because their lives have been ended by abortion. This is an opportunity for us to, um, to, to communicate a message to the masses, even if it's a small number of people who see us walking down because the roads have been closed, even if it's a small number of politicians who peer out the windows, even if um, there's limited media coverage. It's impossible to know everything that's going to come from that. And we don't want to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so if you're like me, go for the go for the future, stay for the present. Um, and if you take a different take or if your marchers for life are um, have, have data that, that they're engaging politicians even more effectively than they are in Canada, if they're creating cultural shift, if you end up on the first front page of newspapers and, and are trending on Twitter and whatever, then absolutely leverage that. And if that becomes the primary reason why you go and you stick around for the future, then then so be it. They just have to go hand in hand, in my opinion. And so those are the four things. Let's summarize, Peter. What do you say? Yeah. Okay. Um, so go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Cool. <laughs> so throw that on you randomly. Um, cool. So in summary, um, number one, community. Um, connect with the, the masses of people from all over the country that are coming together to advocate and uh, remember the lives of those who have been lost. Number two, networking. Connect with the national, regional, and local groups, as well as with your fellow marchers to hold each other accountable to find ways to increase and optimize your um, your hours of involvement over the year. Number three, get that top-notch training. If it's the next day, if the March of Life is day one and there's a training workshop or a training um, day of action the next day, please stick around for that. The training is invaluable. Um, and fourth and finally, let's not be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Let's keep pushing the day of as well. Let's value the the importance of the present action and the present witness. And let's make this an event that people can come to as their first event or their 500th pro-life event or their 5,000th pro-life event and achieve something the day of and achieve even more in the days to come. And so the effectiveness or ineffectiveness of the pro-life uh, the, of the march for life or the useful the usefulness or the uselessness of the march for life is in many ways 
up to you, the one who is attending. And so the question that we have for you once again is how is it, uh, how are you going to attend? And is the March for Life going to be a soapbox for you or is it going to be a springboard into further action? And I think as we conclude here, one really, really good thing to highlight, um, whether we're going to the March for Life or whether we're not, is we need to remember precisely what abortion is, right? We're, we're not just, um, you know, pushing some some beliefs of ours that has not like a ton of impact in the real world, as it were. Um, but the pro-life message is one that states that there is a direct and intentional killing of young human beings happening each and every day in our societies, in our communities, in our countries, around the world. Thousands upon thousands of young little boys and little girls being decapitated, dismembered, and disemboweled from their mother's wombs. And we need to remember what abortion is. And when we do remember what abortion is, and when we remember what our our call is to enact justice and to stand in the gap for those who are oppressed and to bring relief to the vulnerable and the marginalized, then we remember that standing up for the preborn and being involved in the movement, speaking out against the injustice of abortion is something that we must do. And so, yeah, like you said, Cam, we ought to remember the present and the future goals. We march in solidarity with those who cannot march for themselves. We remember that those who have been forgotten will be forgotten no more. Uh, we go to mourn for those who have been killed. And our presence on the day of the March for Life and um, throughout the entire year ought to be a resounding shout that this issue demands action, action that ends the injustice of abortion itself. And so let your experience equip, equip you. Let it empower you. Let it launch you into another year of regular pro-life outreach so that you can change the minds of those around you, uh, change the hearts of the people you are interacting with in your families, in your communities, in your workplaces, at school, wherever it might be. One of the things we like to say when we provide training to people is that each and every one of us has a sphere of influence. I have a sphere of influence. Cam has one. And you have one as well. And the, the people within your sphere of influence, Cam and I will never be able to reach quite like you will be able to reach. I mean, we might have a conversation with them at one point, but you have a personal connection. You've built a rapport. You have a bond with them already. And so get out there, learn what their pro-life beliefs are, what they think about abortion and what they think about the humanity of the pre-born children and see if you can change their minds. Uh, we know of many stories of people who have done just that and learned that their friend has had an abortion or is planning on getting an abortion or people are thinking about this topic already and there you go. You have an opportunity to speak life into a situation that might be very confusing or challenging for them. So thank you all. If you're attending the March for Life, make it a, a very useful experience. Maximize that experience. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Don't forget to find the Pro-Life Guys on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or wherever you do your social media. Find us, ProLifeGuys.com. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button on YouTube or your podcast catcher. We're so grateful uh, that you tuned in. If you want to learn more about what we do, like I said, prolifeguys.com, if you want to get involved in what we're doing, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, patreon.com slash prolifeguys. There's an opportunity for some pretty cool merch. Some of it we finalized already. You can see it there. Some of it we are in the process of finalizing, um, but you can get some pretty cool merch for partnering financially with us to equip people to change minds and save lives from 
abortion. Kim, I know you, you've talked about this before about being a broken record, but we don't want to talk about you being a broken record, but you do have the same message at the end of every episode, and it's kind of what we tied into already. But what is your message? What is your call to action for those listening right now? Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this episode with two calls to action, actually. The one, the one that I have every week have conversations, talk to people about abortion. The March for Life often provides also an incredible opportunity to talk to the people in your sphere of influence about your pro-life conviction, about your pro-life worldview. When your employer is asking, hey, why are you looking for this day off? Or your friends or your family members saying, hey, what are you up to next Thursday or whatever? This is an opportunity to talk to them about abortion and not just be like, oh, well, um, 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 I, I'm going to the March for Life. Okay, bye. Um, this is an opportunity to be like, hey, I'm, I'm marching for life. What do you think about abortion? This can be a springboard right then and there. The second thing that I'm going to do, I'm going to do a shameless plug. If you're attending a March for Life, if you are walking with people in witness of the pre- preborn, please share with them about the Pro-Life Guys podcast. That so many people are hungry for more information about how to have those compelling, compassionate conversations. We're trying to do that here on the podcast. If you can introduce your friends and your family or the random strangers that you're meeting to the Pro-Life Guys podcast, we would deeply appreciate that. Not only so that they can they can consume the, the content that we're putting out there and hopefully it'll be beneficial to them, but also simply because the more listeners we have, the more it optimizes the searches. For pro-life content. The more people who are checking on our page, the more likely it is that other people will find our page. And so if you're out there and you're talking to some cool person and getting a, a connection that's valuable and you're making these social accountability things and they add you on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, um, share with them the, the pro-life guys content and get them tuning in as well. Shameless plug there is my challenge number two. That's what I got, Peter. I hope that everyone who is marching is able to do so safely and freely and that we are able to launch into a new year of greater and greater activism, greater and greater change. Yeah, that's good. I like I like a good shameless plug. And uh, if you have any questions about any of the content that we have put out, if you want to just ask a question that has nothing to do with the content we put out, or if you just want to reach out to us and say hello, please do it. We love it. We love hearing from you. It's amazing. We, uh, we've chatted with a few of you already, so do reach out. Thank you all. Go get active, and we hope you tune in again, at, tune in again next week. <laughs>